In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. Carl's been a, a senior pastor for many years along the Gulf Coast, best-selling author, and we're looking forward to today's deep dive into the relevant word, which is the Bible. And that is there's, there's prophecy all over the Bible, and one of the most famous ones that we all know about, if you're, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're probably familiar with this, this passage that, that Carl's going to refer to, but... It's one of the most hidden in plain sight prophecies. Yeah, yeah. it's very, I mean, very you know, odd. I, we were talking before um, before the show today, and it's like I, I grew up with this. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the most. It's, Everybody It's does. like Everybody the story you hear once a year. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. You read it, and it's like it it gives you a comfort. But then when you think about where it came from, it's like. Yeah. Where did that come from? I, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. If, if what was the context? You know, right. we're always saying, put it in context. Well, when you put this in context, it still appears that it has no context. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's an odd-sounding passage, yet, as I will say in a moment, much clearer, you can't get past the first page of the New Testament without running into it. You can't get through all the Gospels without running into it over and over. You can't get through the rest of the New Testament without running over and over. You can't get through the writings of Paul without hearing him refer to it. Yet, it's in one of the strangest places, one of the strangest um, prophecies ever made. Yet, it is central to what God did in Jesus Christ. No doubt. <laughs> well, do you think we've got people listening now? I, I know what you're going to speak on, and yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, okay, well, good. Well, I, I left some tidbits off so that you could even even you could enjoy this. But but the thing is that, um, folks, hear me. This is called a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallup. So you're going to get a lot of Bible teaching and understanding today. And, and boy, you'll be able to win some Bible trivia contests from now on. I mean, you'll know stuff people won't even know. But, but it's relevant. You will see. Near the end of this this broadcast, you will understand how this impacts your life right here, right now. We're going to take a deep dive back into the ancient days, 2,700 years ago, or a little more. Let me set up the context. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, there's a passage of Scripture that we quote all the time, mostly at Christmas time, but it doesn't have to be because it is central to the gospel message, where Isaiah proclaims, Behold, a virgin shall give birth to a male child, a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is a Hebrew word meaning, and and he will be called God who is with us. All right, now that's on every Christmas card. It's on. It's on all the Christmas movies. It's uh, you know. It's in every Christmas cantata. It's in every Christmas play. Our children sing about it. We all sing about it. It's central to our lives. And the New Testament opens with. And the angel came unto Mary, told Mary all about what was going to happen, and then Matthew says, and this was to fulfill what the prophet spoke. And he's referring to the prophet Isaiah because it's the only place where it's spoken. That behold, 
the virgin will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. That's in the first page of the first book of the New Testament. And from there forward, that's the theme of the whole New Testament. It happened. It happened. And that was God's plan for the ages. And it fooled Satan all the way to the cross, right after the resurrection, right through the birth of the church, and it still has him furious, even as of today, because he realized he was tricked. Because way back in the garden, in Genesis 3.15, God calls Satan to him after the sin, and he says, you know what? Here's your punishment. From the womb of a woman will come forth a male child who will destroy your kingdom. (laughs) Okay? So you see how this fits? I mean, in, in Genesis, God tells him. Then in the middle of the Bible, in Isaiah... Isaiah breaks into this proclamation, and then the first page of the New Testament repeats the proclamation, and then the whole rest of the New Testament is about the fact that that happened, and it did destroy Satan's kingdom, and it is going to cause the renewal of all things. But now, here's the strange part, because see, right up to now, listener, I know you're saying, well, I know all this. There's nothing astounding about this. I know all this. Yeah, but if you haven't read Isaiah 7 in a long time, this is going to freak you out. Because it doesn't seem to fit there at all until you know exactly how it does fit. Here's the teaching I want to give you today. Now, more than just teaching, hang on. It will be made very relevant for you. Let me give you the context, chapter 7. It starts with this. King Ahaz, he's the king of Judah. Now, Israel, uh, after King Solomon had a big civil war over who was going to be the king. Anyway, the, the nation was divided. Most of our listeners will know this into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was called Judah, had its capital at Samaria. The southern kingdom was called, excuse me, the, the northern kingdom was called Israel with its capital at Samaria. The southern kingdom was called Judah with its capital at Jerusalem. That's where the temple was. All right, so Judah and, Jer- uh, Judah and Israel, um, you know, it's north and south. They split. The nation split. It was horrible. Civil war. And from time to time, they got along pretty good with each other. After all, they were brothers. They were all part of the 12 tribes. That was their their descendants. But the, the bottom line is that the nation of Assyria, the empire of the Assyrian empire was on the rise, and it was taking territory from the northern kingdom, and they were sending their armies down into the northern kingdom, and they were taking away captives and slaves. And the king and his cohorts of of Israel, of Samaria, of that area, the northern kingdom, they were freaking out. I mean, they were panicking. In the meantime, God has a prophet in the land. He's a prophet to the kings of the northern kingdom, He's a prophet to the kings of the southern kingdom, and he's warning them all, listen, if you guys don't repent, if you guys don't get this all straightened out, and then then before long, God's going to take everybody off into captivity. This whole thing's going to be over. This nation is doomed if you guys don't get this worked out. So Isaiah has been given a commission by God to go speak to King Ahaz. Now, folks, listen, I'm going to read some, some, some of the scriptures here, and I'll tell you what verses from chapter 7. But I'm, I'm getting to the point of Isaiah making this proclamation about the virgin giving birth to a child, and it just doesn't make sense. It, like, it doesn't fit there. But just hang on. 
So bear with me as we read through what's going to sound like gobbledygook to you, a lot of it, but I'll explain some as we go along, and I think it'll make more sense. So chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Now when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah. All right, so when Ahaz was king of Judah, and King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. So all of these kings, King Ahaz, who's the king of Judah, and then his governors, if you will, under him and around him, they went up and were going to march against Israel. All right? It says, Now the house of David, this verse 2, was told, Aram has allied himself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Okay, so we're being told that no, so what happens is uh, the, the people in Judah hear about this, the house of David, that would be in Jerusalem and J- Judah, and so they align themselves with other tribes of Israel, and so now they've got, it looks like another civil war, it's getting ready to break out, and the kings of the north who thought they were just going to march in and take uh, uh, Israel, uh, Judah um, they're getting scared. And the problem is they're also having to ward off Assyria, who is also attacking their frontiers, coming across their borders. It's just a big, huge international mess. Well, in the middle of it, the Lord speaks to Isaiah, his preacher, his prophet. The man with some guts that's going to say some things that sound stupid, but that are going to impact the entire rest of human history because Isaiah is going to be obedient to what God tells him to say, no matter how stupid it sounds. Verse 3, Now the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shir Jashob. Shir Jashob means, it's, it's, it's a name for the son, uh, but, it, but it means a remnant will return. So even his son's name has a prophecy to it. A remnant will return. What's that? Well, it's going to be the nation of Israel that's going to fall, and they're going to come back to the land. And I've preached and taught on this, and I've done shows on this, and I've written books about it. But let me move on, because Isaiah is being told by God, take your son, and this is important that you know his son's going with him. He's just a boy. Shir Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Washerman's Field. And, of course, everybody knew where all that was back then. He says, now say to the king, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. That's the people coming against him. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remelah and Aram and Ephraim and Ramallah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabel king over it. Yet, yet, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He said, it will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only risen. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Boy, now there's a good scripture to remember. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So this man this, this King Ahaz is being called to be a man of faith and to believe what the prophet's saying, that God is going to protect him if he'll do what he's supposed to do. But then it says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign. He's doing this through Isaiah, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights, ask him for a sign. In other words, put out a fleece. God will prove himself to you. But Ahaz says, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to a test. So basically, he's standing in fear, trembling, and because of all that's happening in the nations around him, 
The prophet comes to him and says, look, it's going to be good. you got to stand in faith. God's going to protect you. He says, ask the Lord for a sign. And Ahaz is too afraid to even do that. Ahaz is trying to act all super spiritual right now. And he's saying, well, I'll never ask the Lord for a sign. What he means is, no, but what if it fails? What if I don't have enough faith? What if I, I, I don't know if I can believe it if I saw a sign? Because look what's happening. World War Three is on the brink, and I'm in the middle of it. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. And wait till we come back from the break, and I'm going to tell you what happens. It's a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallops, and we'll be back right after the break. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Welcome back to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And Pastor, we are in Isaiah 7 in a most peculiar place yes. where we're about to yes. hear one of the most famous prophecies that we know of in the Bible but it just seems so out of place it at this point. Of, it does seem out of place, but it's finally going to make sense to people. And so uh, I, 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 think our, I think our listeners are going to enjoy this. So I left off with the fact that, you know, you got this civil war brewing between north and south again, the kingdoms, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, plus Assyria, the Assyrian Empire has already invaded the borders and encroached the borders of the northern kingdom and already taking people off. And, and pretty soon they will swallow up the northern kingdom. Uh, and then finally Babylon will swallow up Assyria, and then the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar will come down and take Judah and Jerusalem and destroy the temple. So that's all history. But, but right now in their life, Isaiah is standing before this king of the northern kingdom, King Ahaz, and he's filled with fear, and he doesn't have much faith at all. And Ahaz, the prophet, is trying to tell him, and, I mean, excuse me, Isaiah, the prophet, is trying to tell him, God's, God's got this if you'll do what I'm telling you, because the Lord has told me what you can do to avoid this. And Ahaz is not like, he's not an unbeliever, and he's, he's just, he's fearful, and he's just, he does, he's not a man of faith. And so finally, um, uh, Isaiah standing there. Now remember, Isaiah has his son with him, his little boy, Sheer Jashab, and even his name means a remnant will return, which is a prophecy of the coming of, the, of, of Israel one day. Well, anyway, so Ahaz is uh, standing here, Isaiah's talking to him, and then Ahaz said, I, 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 will, I will not put the Lord to the test. He's acting all religious now because he's scared to death. And so Isaiah kind of loses his cool with him a little bit. He says, listen to me now, boy. Well, actually, the Bible says here now. Okay. (laughs) But listen to me, boy. Listen, here now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of Elohim, God himself? Then the next words out of Isaiah's mouth. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you you who, the house of David, a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him God with us. Then the next verse says, He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and all the house of your father a time like any time since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. 
In that day, the Lord will whistle for flies from the distant streams of Egypt and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're saying, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened to the beautiful Christmas story? What I mean, right in the middle of him arguing with this king about the coming World War III of their day, and the king being a man of trembling of faith, saying, I'm not going to test God. I'm, I'm even afraid to ask him because what if he says something I don't want to hear? And then Isaiah loses his patience. He's saying, okay, and here's what happens, folks. Here's the context, and learned scholars for hundreds of years have seen this, but you seldom hear this preached. In fact, a lot of people listening to this right now is the first time you've ever heard this. And it, because we just use it in our Christmas pageants and Christmas plays and everything, and we just say, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. Isaiah 7 is there, so it happened. Yeah, but look at the context. So, so what happens is, in the middle of this all, Isaiah is given a vision. He sees. He probably already knows, but he just declares. He's, what he's trying to say, Kevin, God's got this, you idiot. He's got it right up to the fact he's going to bring the Messiah. He's going to work a miracle through the vert, through a virgin woman. He's going to bring his son, you know, from the Garden of Eden, chapter 3, verse 15, when he told Satan, and here you are trembling in the sight of men, and God's working this cosmic warfare, and he's already promised this is going to happen. I'm telling you, in the future, a woman born of, uh, uh, will, uh, will have a male child born, and this will be a virgin woman, a woman without, without marriage, without knowing a man. And he, this son will be called the, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and I'm sure the king's looking at him going, what? Why are you telling me this? What in the world does that even mean? We got a World War III in our hands and you're telling me about an impossible thing. Some virgin going to have a baby boy and somehow this is God with us. That doesn't even make sense. And then the next verse where it says he will eat curds and honey when he knows almost all the scholars agree, and, and I do too. I mean, I agree with what they say, and it makes sense to the context, and I can prove it in just a second. Then immediately Isaiah says, he will eat curds and honey when the, he knows enough to reject. He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the boy he brought with him. He's now gone back into their day, and he's got his head, hand on the head of his own son saying, see this boy right here? He's, he's going to eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the right and wrong. And before this boy knows enough to reject the right and wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So that's what it means. It's just right in the middle is this one sentence of a prophecy. He's trying to get the king's attention that God's got this. But you're rejecting him. You won't be a man of faith. You won't do anything he says. And in the meantime, God's going to use the land of Israel that's going to go away, but he's going to have to restore it because from that land of Israel is going to come Messiah, Savior of the world, and you can't even get it. Now I want to take a breath because I know, listener, you're going, wow, I, I didn't know that, and that makes sense, but good gosh, how do they still piece it together? It's as simple as this. That's chapter 7. Guess what? You take one page of your Bible and flip it over. You probably hear me flipping my page right now. And you land on chapter 9. And Isaiah's still talking. And he says, Nevertheless, there's coming a day when there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those are two tribes of Israel that settled the land. But in the future, God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. By the way of the sea, along the Jordan River, the people walking in darkness will have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned, for unto us, verse 6 says, 
a child is born. Unto us that son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. You might as well say he will be called Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his coming government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever and forever and forever. And the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Now, I want the listeners to hear me. That's the same Isaiah, just a chapter and a half away from making that statement right in the middle of being angry at King Ahaz. And then he takes his own son, puts his hand on his head, and I say, this boy right here, he won't even be fully grown till he sees those kings that you're afraid of and you won't even trust God in. He will see them destroyed. Okay? But that's what he's talking about. But in the middle of it, he just gives this prophecy. And then a chapter and a half later, he goes right back to that prophecy. He says, for unto us that child is born, unto us that son is given, and he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He will come to this restored Israel in the last days. That's who this is. Now, for 700 years, it would be before Jesus would come. So for 700 years, even the, 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 the ancient rabbinical scholars would look at this. They did, they'd say, what is this about? What was it? I mean, how can this be? A virgin's going to give birth to a child, and the son's going to come. Well, this may, this must be Messiah, but he's going to rule and reign. But but this doesn't make sense. Why did Isaiah say that there? And so there was all of this debate, and then you get to the New Testament, Kevin, and the first page opens with the angel coming to Mary and saying, "Are you willing?" She says yes, and Luke goes with this too. Luke chapter one and chapter two, and Matthew chapter one and chapter two go together, and between the two, it fills in all the blanks. So, but but so the angel comes to her, and she's and in, in, in basically asks for her permission because she said, "Yes, okay, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you say. I will do." And that's in Luke chapter two or Luke chapter one. So so the point is, but but page one of Matthew one chapter one opens with, and when the angel said that and she said yes Matthew says and all of this was to fulfill what the prophet said and he meant Isaiah because that's the only one that ever said it unto us will be a child will be born the virgin will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel he quotes Isaiah seven fourteen. he's the first guy Matthew a tax collector a Jewish tax collector who's now a disciple uh, a, with a bunch of fishermen disciples he makes the connection by the Holy Spirit of God because he's been walking with Jesus now for three years. He was there when Jesus was crucified. He was there when he rose from the dead. He was there when Jesus taught them all things for 40 days about what was going on. Now he opens the New Testament with, it all goes back to that utterance of anger that Isaiah laid upon King Ahaz, that faithless man trembling in his britches, and there it is. That was to fulfill that prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14, and, by the way, Isaiah 9. That's all wrapped up in that. So we come to that, and now we go, oh, my gosh. Well, why was it hidden like that, to fool Satan? Number one, to fool Satan. I mean, the Bible tells us that. Even the prophets knew that it wasn't for them. Even angels longed to look into it. See, it's because Satan was trying to find this child. Satan wanted to destroy this child. We see it all through the Bible, right up to Herod killing all the baby boys in Bethlehem. He's trying to find it, but he he doesn't read the Scripture. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He doesn't understand these things. The prophets, the Jews didn't understand this until it happened. And then not only did it fool Satan, 
And, and Jesus did, that child did come from a woman's womb, did destroy Satan's kingdom. But it also tells us, oh my gosh, this word is true. It is accurate. Even if things are hidden, they will be revealed, and the Bible says that, they will be revealed in their due time so that we will know that God is on his throne. And he knows what he's doing. And I'm saying to you folks, in Galatians 4.4, the apostle Paul says, and at just the right time, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under sin, so that we could be saved. Folks, I'm telling you, here's the relevancy of all of this. Don't be like King Ahaz. Trust in God. Walk in faith. He's got this. He knows what he's doing. He can hide things and then bring them to pass. He will keep his word. He will keep his promise. And Romans 10, 9 said, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God can pull that off too in your life. He's got it. He's in control, even if you don't see it now. You see you see the Christmas story in so many places, but... You don't it's, know. You don't know, but it's 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 hidden in plain sight in Isaiah 7. It's right there, and it's a passage scripture that's one of the most famous at Christmas And it took time. so long, and nobody, I mean, we get to see it now. Yeah, we see it with our eyes. So, folks, thank you so much for listening today. I, I, I do love you with all my heart. I'm so glad you listened to this. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Now, more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week... Pastor Gallups shares what the Word of God is saying, even now, a relevant word, with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallups. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallups.com. Thanks for listening.